pick up. We have been discussing a lot of the halachas of Shabbos. We've really been going through the entire, the beginning from welcoming Shabbos to the Friday night meal. Last week we discussed covering the chalas and the idea of having lecha mishnah, of having two chalas always on the table as a zecher for the man, which was last week's parsha. perfect timing to discuss the idea of always having two challah rolls. What I'd like to discuss tonight is the idea of fish and meat. Fish and meat together. Why are we discussing fish and meat together? Because there is a long-standing custom amongst the Jewish people to serve fish Friday night. So after we have our challahs, very often we serve fish. Serving fish on Friday night comes with or introduces or makes us familiar with the concept that we do not eat fish and meat together. Uh, we, of course, do not eat meat and milk together. That's a Torah prohibition. But the Gemara records a prohibition not to eat fish and meat. And so that's going to require an understanding of what exactly the parameters of not eating fish and meat together, uh, given that we do, in fact, serve fish at the beginning of a meat meal fairly regularly. What does one need to do to be able to have the two together? So before we get into that, there are really two parts of this discussion. Number one, why is it that the Jewish people eat fish on Friday night? What's the meaning behind that? What's the significance? Why do we do that? We'll just talk a little bit about that. And then some of the halachas regarding how we separate fish and meat to make sure that we're doing it correctly for those of you who do have that custom. And even if you don't have that custom of eating fish Friday night, but we do have fish all the time during the week. Same idea, you go to a wedding, you go to a smorgasbord, they have fish, they have meat. What needs to be done in order to consume the two of them together? So let's start with uh, why fish. This is actually introduced in a number of different contexts. Uh, the Mishnah Berua talks about it, the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, that it's a mitzvah or it's tov, it's a good thing to eat fish, not just Friday night. The truth is all three Shabbos meals. Why is it such a good thing? And there's no, there's no real mitzvah to eat fish, but it's all within the context of what we call the karasa le Shabbos oneg. We're going to call Shabbos a delight, as the Navi tells us to do. One has to have an oneg Shabbos. You have to enjoy that which we're doing on Shabbos. We have to enjoy the food that we eat on Shabbos. And in its most basic level, from the times of the Talmud and on, fish was considered a delicacy, it was considered a good food. People just liked it. And since on Shabbos, we're supposed to eat the kinds of food that we enjoy, we would have fish. In fact, the Gemara records at least two stories. One from a, a Jew, uh, a holy Jew by the name of Yosef Mokir Shabbos. Mokir means to honor. His name, what he was known as Yosef, the one who delights in Shabbos. And the Gemara records that the way that he would honor Shabbos, his whole name was all about honoring Shabbos. He used to buy fish every week to be able to eat on Shabbos. And the Gemara records a story. This has become legend in many different uh, contexts. He once bought a fish that had a precious jewel in it, and he became very wealthy. And it all was because he never let a Shabbos go by without buying fish to be able to honor Shabbos with his fish. Similarly, the Gemara records that one should prepare for Shabbos oneself, even if one has the financial means to hire others to do all the things that are necessary. Every person should physically be involved in Shabbos preparations himself or herself, that they should actually, it's better than using a shaliach, better than using an agent, do it yourself. And as one of the examples of that, the Gemara says a certain Amora used to be the one to singe the fish in getting it ready. Again, just using the fish as the, the classic example of how he would be involved in preparing food, it was always a fish. And from there, the custom developed, we would eat fish on Shabbos. Of course, if one does not like fish, there is absolutely no obligation to eat fish. Um, that's actually mentioned in halacha. Like it's, it, as it's mentioned, you should eat fish, but if you don't like fish, then you shouldn't eat fish. The whole idea is a tanug. The whole idea is to enjoy. And that was a, a, 
classic food that was often used uh, as an enjoyable discussion. The Mishabru, in fact, it just is an interesting point because, you know, if, if he writes that the Jews should buy fish, what's everybody doing? They're going to go buy fish on Friday. What are the merchants going to do on Friday? They're going to raise the price, prices of the fish. So he actually has a whole discussion that if you find that the merchants are raising the prices on the fish, then we should institute that every couple of weeks that nobody should eat fish on Shabbos so that the prices come back down. It's a whole discussion. Now, that's the most simple basic reason. We eat fish because we like it, and it's an, an enjoyable element of Shabbos, and one should continue to do so as far as in enjoying what it is that they are doing. However, it's just of note, the Ba'alei Kabbalah, the Kabbalists, have offered many other reasons why one should eat fish on uh, Shabbos. I'm just going to mention just a few of them, just to be familiar. The Bnei Sasvar, Ratzvi Elimelech of Dinov writes, that in the story of the creation of the world, the Torah describes three blessings when things were created. One is when the fish were created, that Hashem blessed them pru or vu, that they should be fruitful and multiply. To the fish was specifically that bracha was given. To mankind, when man was created, Hashem similarly said pru or vu, you should be fruitful and multiply. And when Hashem brought in Shabbos for the first time, that he sanctified it, and he blessed him. So since we find the idea of blessings by fish, by people, and by Shabbos, so it's suggested we should eat specifically fish on Shabbos, that we should receive the humans who were blessed, should eat fish that were blessed on Shabbos, that was blessed to receive all of the blessings. The, the, the Kabbalah, Bali Kabbalah also point out that fish is the, uh, is the living creature, the only living creature that we could ever eat that doesn't require shechita doesn't require any formal type of preparation. A bird, of course, needs to be shechted before it could be eaten. A cow, a lamb, a goat, all of those animals require shechita, which is a very complicated process. Many, many, many halachas in order to be able to take it and prepare it for human consumption. But a fish is, so to speak, ready to go. All it needs to be is dead. As long as the fish is dead, we're allowed to eat it. And therefore, it represents the idea most things in this world, in order to be elevated into the realm of spirituality, require a lot of work, a lot of preparation. A fish represents something that's mundane in this world that does not require a lot of preparation. It's ready to be elevated, and that's representative of both Shabbos, a day which has so much sanctity in it that it's like ready for, for, for the taking. It's ready for he or she who wants it. Shabbos is ready to be a, an elevated day. So we eat fish, and it also represents the tzaddikim of the world who are also ready to be elevated. They don't need to be shechted, so to speak. Uh, an animal needs to be like cut off from its source of this world in order to be prepared for consumption, uh, but, uh, which represents most of us in our regular weekday month activities. There's so much physicality within ourselves. We, so to speak, need to like cut ourselves off of it. But a fish, it's like immersed in water. It's immersed in its surroundings like the tzaddikim. They don't need to be cut off. They're like at one with everything. Similarly, fish which live in water, which is always a significant of Torah. Uh, often Torah is compared to water and fish live in that. Not only do they live in it, they're completely immersed in it. But the, as the many commentators point out, when it rains and the raindrops are hitting the surface of the water, many fish will come to the surface as if they're, they, they're like checking something out or as if to drink up the raindrops as if they're not already immersed in water. Um, and that's representative of a Jew, even if he's immersed in Torah, when there's something more to learn, even though you're already immersed in it, but you go get whatever there is, even if it's, you know, run to the top to gain a little bit more understanding, learn a little bit more. Uh, and lastly, fish have no eyelids, uh, which many represent. They don't have, they're not subject to the eye in hara, um, to the evil eye 
And therefore, um, all of these reasons combine as to why specifically fish was chosen. None of that is relevant to our actual halachic discussion. Okay, so there's a custom to eat fish for those of you who have that question. By the way, one of the reasons why we gefilte fish, where, where, where can you find, where do you fish gefilte fish from? As many people like to joke around, it's just ground up fish. Why do we eat gefilte fish? Because many, many fish, particularly uh, throughout uh, our European stay, where we were not able to eat expensive fish, um, but were bony. That certainly the cheaper the fish that they would get was very bony fish. And that has a lot of halachic problems of separating bones from the, from the flesh of the fish. And so it was just easier and cheaper if you could buy and grind it up and add other things. It was the cheapest method for the Jews to be able to eat fish and not have to worry about any halachic problems of a borer of separating, uh, similar to cholent. Like maybe it was a delicate delicacy today, cholent, oh, a big cholent. In, in most of Europe, that was the sign of abject poverty in which you had nothing to serve other than a stew, in which you threw in whatever leftover scraps you had from the week and a little bit of meat or a little bit of chicken. And then you add some potatoes and some beans and voila, you have, uh, you have yourself a meal. And today we've turned that uh, poor man's dish into a great delicacy. The gefilte fish was the same. Gefilte fish was just, you know, you ground it up. So you have a little bit of fish, a little bit of potato flour, a little bit of it. You know, you make it into a gefilte fish. You could fulfill this custom of eating fish. You didn't have to worry about separating bones. And, and now, of course, it's a great delicacy to have gefilte fish at your table. All of this, again, to say, okay, fine, we're going to eat fish for our first course. But one's not allowed to eat fish and meat, and we're going to have meat the rest of the meal. So how exactly does this work, this idea of fish and meat together, and where does it come from? So this is actually a very interesting concept. The Gemara says, that eating or really cooking, the Gemara is talking about cooking fish and meat together, was a sakana. It was dangerous. It was an unhealthy, physically unhealthy thing to do. This is not a halacha like meat and milk where the Torah says it's forbidden, and therefore it's just forbidden because the Torah says it's forbidden. Fish and meat was the Gemara deemed it unhealthy. It was not safe to cook fish and meat together. The Rishonim understood not just cooking it together, but eating it together. And that's why we keep it separate, which means that the body of law of fish and meat is going to be different than what we're familiar with meat and milk, because meat and milk is a halachic issue. The Torah says, and therefore we have whatever halachas guide us. Fish and meat was a sakana issue, a danger issue, and therefore there are going to be a few differences. First thing we have to discuss is, wait a minute, dangerous? Who ever heard of anyone getting sick because they eat fish and meat together? We don't have any scientific data at all that the non-Jewish world, for example, which eats fish and meat together all the time, are any less healthy than we are for not eating fish and meat together. So the Gemara says we can't do this because of a danger issue, not because of a halachic thing, because it's not healthy when we don't have any scientific evidence that it's actually considered dangerous. What do we do with something like this? This is a very, very famous discussion in terms of there are numerous discussions in which the Gemara tells us not to do certain things because of physical harm, where we don't see that anymore today. So there are a number of approaches as to how to address this. We'll list them from the most lenient to the most strict. The most lenient approach is expressed by the Malgain Avram, one of the earlier commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, who writes, Nishtanu hateva, the, the nature of the world has changed. The Gemara says it was dangerous. It clearly was. The Gemara knew what it was talking about. It was not healthy to do. But over the hundreds of years, <clears throat> from the time that the Gemara records that until where he's writing, and now it's over a thousand years from where, from where we're living, things have changed. It's no longer dangerous. Our eyes see it's simply not anything dangerous. And therefore, he writes, we do not even need to be concerned with this halacha at all. There is no problem with mixing fish 
and meet together because it once was, but it no longer is. That is the approach of the Mogain Avram. Many, many argue on that. That's the most lenient approach. Many say, yes, Nishnanu Ateva, yes, things have changed. We see that it's not dangerous, but once the sages put in such a practice to keep them separate, we keep the halacha, even though we see that it is no longer dangerous, but we will maintain the same law that was instituted, even though it's true, it's not dangerous anymore. And the third approach says, yes, what the sages told us is that it's dangerous and therefore we can't eat them together. But we do not understand all of the laws and rules and decrees that were made in the times of the Gemara. And it's true, they made a decree. The reason that they gave us is it's dangerous. Similar to situations often in which a parent might tell a child, you know, don't not to do something. And the reason they give the child is the reason that the child can understand. But the parent has many other thought processes behind it. They told the child one reason for whatever it is that they said, why you can't do something. But there are others also. And so many take the approach that it's true. The reason that the Gemara told us why we shouldn't eat fish and meat together is because it's dangerous. But there are other thoughts that they had in mind. And therefore, even though this particular reason doesn't apply, we will still maintain it to the exact same degree as if as they said it, even though the reason they gave us doesn't seem to apply anymore. So those are the three. Whether or not we say things have changed and therefore it's okay. Whether or not we say things have changed and therefore it's, but it's still not okay. We say it doesn't matter that it changed. That's not really the only reason we know about. That's the only reason we know about, but there are others. And therefore, we maintain it. The universal custom, after all of this, the universal custom is that Jews continue to not eat fish and meat together, as is stated in the Gemara, as it is stated because it is a sakana, because it is dangerous. And even though our eye see doesn't seem to be dangerous, we have maintained this custom since the time of the Gemara. And for either one of the other two reasons, whether or not because we still keep it, or maybe that wasn't the only reason they meant, but we still do not eat fish and meat together. And that is the, as I said, that is the custom. Now, given that it is a, a fact of danger versus like meat and milk together, there are a couple of differences. Let's go through some of the relevant halachas. Number one, after you serve on a plate your fish and you have your gefilte fish or your uh, salmon or whatever your fish of choice is, can you use the same silverware and cutlery for your meat meat towards the end. In other words, so now uh, we, we put away the fish. Can I now use the same plate and the same silverware that I had with my fish? Can I use that for the rest of the meal, which is going to be meat? And the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, you can use the same silverware, but you have to wash it off in between, meaning as opposed to meat and milk, in which we have two totally separate sets of dishes. As I'm sure you're all familiar, we use our meat dishes for fish. You don't have to have a separate fish set of silverware, you can use the same cutlery, you can use the same plates, but once the fish has been on it, or you used a fork or a knife for the fish, then that silverware cutlery or dish needs to be simply washed off in order to be able to use it for meat. So yes, you can use the same dish, but not right away without washing it off. Same thing would apply at a smorgasbord if you took some salmon, and then you wanted to mosey on over to the other part of the smorgasbord and have some of the delicious meat. So you just can't use the same plate that you had for your salmon or whatever fish dish that you had. And now you want to put meat on it. You should take another plate, another fork in order to be able to do so. Does it matter which one you eat first, fish or meat or meat or fish? So here, even though we very customarily serve the fish first, but that's just because that we serve the fish first. There's no requirement to do that. You can have meat at a smorgasbord and then mosey on over to the uh, sushi and go with some raw fish sushi. 
totally fine. I just ate meat. It's not a problem. It's not like meat and milk, or once you have meat, you have to wait six hours before you have milk. You just can't have meat and fish together. You can't cook them together. You can't eat them together. Whichever one comes first. So you want to do the sushi first at the smorgasbord and then take a new plate and do the meat. Or you want to do the meat and then do go back to the sushi and have some real fish in your sushi. Either one is totally fine. As long as you're not using the same plate and you're not using the same silverware. Either one, the order does not matter. Speaking of that, how long do you have to wait in between? We know when it comes to meat and milk, we have somehow, you know, not just eating, you have to wait. Is there any period of time that you have to wait in between? So I served gefilte fish Friday night. Now I want to have the meat. How long do I have to wait? How long does the, somebody have to give a Devar Torah for? How many Zemiros do we have to sing until we can have the meat meal? What's the time limit? So the answer to that is there is no real time limit. But the post can require that you should do ideally two things. You should take a drink and you should eat something in between. That's the basic custom. Some say you can only, it's sufficient just to take a drink. But ideally, you should do both. And this is generally done with a, a drink and a small piece of challah. That's all you have to have or anything parv before you have the meat in between your fish. So let's say you're at a Friday night dinner. You have your fish. So you're going to either clean or wash your plate. You have a new plate, a new fork. And now you want to have the meat meal. So the first thing that goes into your mouth after the fish should not be meat. First thing should be a drink and ideally any bite of anything parv. It could be uh, casserole. It could be potatoes. It could be bread, challah. It just shouldn't be meat is the next thing directly um, after. There is a Tosfus, uh, very interestingly, who comments that it shouldn't be water either. He doesn't give any reason. He just says it shouldn't be water in between the fish and the meat which many write, that comment of Tosfos, that uh, enigmatic comment without a reason, who just says it shouldn't be water, is the source for the well-known custom of drinking a shot of uh, schnapps, uh, whiskey or scotch after the fish. Where did that come from? Why do I have to have a shot of uh, whiskey or schnapps after the fish? The reason is because between fish and meat, you should have a drink and eat. Ideally, for whatever reason, we don't know why, Tosfos suggests it shouldn't be water. Hey, it's not going to be water. Might as well be schnapps, right? So they would have, uh, that's where the custom came, that we would have Friday night fish, clear off the fish, have a little schnapps, a piece of challah, and now you're ready to eat like a king at your uh, Friday night meal. Again, minimally, you do need to have a drink. Ideally, you should have a little bite or something. This would apply again at a smorgasbord, in which you go, you have uh, some sushi with some fish in it, and then you want to mosey on over and have some of the meat. What do I need to do in between? So grab a vegetable, grab a piece of carrot, grab a whatever else you want to have there at the smorgasbord. That's not actually meat. Have a quick bite. Take a little sip of your Diet Coke, and uh, you are ready to go uh, in between. If you don't have any food, simply waiting about a half hour would also be fine. So meaning if you don't have any food to take in between, so after about a half hour goes by, that's also considered long enough that now you can just go from one to the other, even if you don't have any particular food to wash your mouth out um, in between. The only issue, um, as we have seen, is really eating the fish and meat together, so not keeping them on the same plate and having some sort of a separation in between, either a little bit of time or eating something. But there's no problem um, <coughs> using the same utensils as we've mentioned. So you can take your regular meat cutlery silverware plates and serve fish on that. Again, clean, taking it out of the cabinet, you could put fish. Or you could use your 
dairy, and it doesn't matter. There's absolutely no requirement on which one fish goes on, just they can't be with meat together. So if you want to take meat plates like we do every Friday night, that is absolutely fine. And you can even cook that way as well so that you can cook fish in your meat pots. So if you have your meat chicken soup pot and now you want to use it to make some type of fish dish or you want to bake some fish, you can use it in a meat pot. There's absolutely no problem using the same type of dishes. Again, this is where we see the difference between meat and milk and meat and fish. Meat and milk, we have two totally separate sets of dishes. But for meat and fish, it's not a problem to cook fish in a meat dish. Not a problem at all. We just don't eat actual fish and actual meat together, but it's not a problem using a meat dish to prepare a, uh, meaning a meat pot to prepare a fish dish. Similarly, uh, when it comes to cooking them together in the oven, let's say I have two dishes. I'm cooking my fish and I'm cooking like salmon and I'm cooking my meat Friday night, Friday afternoon for my Friday, for my Shabbos meals. Can I cook them together in the same oven? So here we would say like this, if they're both open, and liquidy, like they often are. Fish is often cooked in some type of liquidy. You should not cook both a salmon and a meat dish if they're both uncovered in the same oven at the same time. So if you're cooking a roast uncovered and you're cooking your salmon uncovered, that we should avoid. You should not cook them both in an oven at the same time if they're both uncovered. If one of them is covered, that would be fine. So if you're cooking your roast or your chicken and that one is covered, then you can cook your salmon uncovered. If you want to cover your salmon, then you can cook your roast uncovered. But you just should not cook them both uncovered at the same time. If they're both covered, that is that is okay. Not a problem at all. Lastly, actually a very relevant halakha, that's where you're cooking them both, a meat and a fish dish together. What if you're baking challah at the same time that you're cooking your roast? And now... You want to eat your challah together with your fish. Is that a problem? The answer is that is totally fine. Again, the only issue we're concerned with in the oven is actual meat and fish being cooked together uncovered. That's the only issue we have. So either cover one, but if you're cooking a parv item like challah together with meat, that is not a problem and your challah can 100% be served at the table and you don't have to worry that you're going to serve it with fish and you're going to actually scoop up some of your fish and put it on your challah and eat it all together. <gasps> the challah was baked with a meat dish. Not a problem. Don't worry. If anyone says that's a problem, you'll say no. The only problem is cooking uncovered fish and meat together. That's what we avoid. But if you cover one or you have a par, where they're not fish and meat, it's, it's challah and uh, challah and um, and uh, fish or meat together, then you can certainly eat it with the other. So if you bake your challah with your roast, you can eat it with fish. If you bake your challah together with your salmon, you can eat it with meat afterwards. That is totally fine. And that is a quick review of A, some of the reasons why we eat fish on Shabbos. They, those who have such a custom like to do it both on Friday night and Shabbos day. Some will even do it Shabbos Shabbos as well. Those are the, the, the ideas of eating the fish, some of them as we discussed. And so a brief review of some of the halachas of keeping fish and meat separate at our tables. Okay, wonderful. I saw there's some questions, uh, but great to spend some time together. Yeah.